When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can help the show financially by going to the blackandgoldhockeyblog.com website and clicking on either the Amazon.com or Fanatics.com banners to the right before shopping online. Now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show! Ray Bork. Scores! Ray Bork from the face-off circle to the right of Reggie Lindland. Fired it down and Whitmore blew it. Bounces down to Bergeron. He takes the space, pulling it wide to the right of Tatar. The snapshot over to Rossi. It's loose and Bergeron scores! Hey Bruins fans, welcome back for episode 67 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Um, an interesting week of hockey. Uh, it's, it's actually really nice to be back and, and talking about multiple games. Uh, although, you know, going back to the first game against Nashville, that was our best talk so far in the, uh, the two-week program of season two. But, you know, let's just hammer it. Let's get it through because I'm, I'm a little frustrated, but I'm not down I'm not down. the The two Avalanche games were not good at all. Uh, I, I, even even if the Wednesday game they came back, you you can't have a six minute game. You have to bring sixty every night, and it's just fact that they got outplayed and embarrassed. So, uh, thoughts, concerns, anything from uh, Rob Court? Um, welcome yeah, back, by the way. I think. Yeah, I was going to say, well, welcome to the show, guys. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I think this show would be going a lot differently if we'd have lost last night. Um, <laughs> the frustration on probably all of us. I know we've been messing through Slack and everything every day, and it was just getting silly. Like, those two games against the Avalanche were... The worst you're probably going to see the Bruins play all year. 
Uh, I think the well, probably not, but you know where I'm going. But oh, I know where you're going. The first game just obviously got into the Bruins' heads, and when they played them at home, it was never going to go well. Well, I knew from the first game we were going to lose the second one. Um, it's just frustrating. And what what was the Colorado have beat us at home? No, they've never beat us at home. Yeah, well, no, no, like no, no. Nine years. Now they beat us at home every year since 1998. Yep. Oh, that was the thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a good stat. Yeah, it's just isn't that the like longest streak as well in the NHL of a team not being. Oh no, the Leafs not winning the Stanley Cup. I thought it was. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I mean, we on that note, on that note. Ah. <laughs> yeah, that's just uh yeah, but I mean the Bruins played okay in bits in them games, but five minutes. That's all I'm giving. Yeah. Five yeah. minutes in each game. Yeah. But then uh then the game last night was I, I thought it was really good. Didn't start off well. No, but the Bruins games either don't start off well or don't end well. You've got one or two. You never get the full 60 minutes, as we all say to each other all the time. Yeah, and, but... and with, with the Colorado series, I I hate to say it, but that, that first goal that Tuca let in, the, the glove save, well, sorry, the non-glove save that was hit his glove and just trickled in, I, was, I, I just scratched my head and I was like, I can see the team on the bench going, oh, all right, it's just going to be one of those games, and they just got deflated. Like, Marshan to me, was invisible. In the Colorado series, invisible. Uh, Carlo was not good, is to, to say the least. Uh, in, in, yeah, yeah. Well, no, no. He was good against Nashville. He just uh, mm-hmm. he just decided not to play against Colorado for some reason. Maybe it was the old "Hey, I'm from here," um, but mm-hmm. uh, he just just the whole defense core actually just decided not to play. If you look at it, I, I put out a, a fun fact at the time right after the Colorado series. Uh, everybody was harping on a certain defenseman on our team, and he was the only one with a plus rating on the whole club. Mm. And at the time, Pasternak was a minus five. Minus five. I yeah. think Tory Krug had a good series against the Avs. Minus for the main five. fact that, yeah, but he'd, he'd just come back from injury. Mm-hmm. And he, to me, him and McQuaid were the only ones that showed heart in them games. I know McQuaid McQuaid had a really bad two games, but at least he was going into the corners and trying. Like, he didn't look lost in the corner. He looked lost in front of the net, but going into the corner with a normal McQuaid. And, I mean, look at the times. Yeah, normal McQuaid. He gave away the puck and just cost us many goals. He even scored on our own net. It was was a nice goal. You know, a nice tip. <laughs> I thought I thought Cruz but, did pretty good. I thought he that goal that he got when he uh, worked down and got to the net was freaking awesome. So maybe, I thought yeah, he wasn't and, used properly. The reason he was a minus four is he wasn't used properly. He was put out in situations that are not Cruz situations. No desperation. Yeah. There were desperation moves. We need you to step and it up and leave. Play some he played penalty, penalty kill. kill. Yeah, he yeah. Did. And That's he what I mean. never played penalty kill. Situations. Yeah. So. Um, with these with these two games, uh, you know, me me and social media, I guess I, I'm getting along lately. But I just fly, I just put out there that Ever. I know I just put out there that these two games could haunt us in April when we when we're looking for a playoff spot or trying to, you know, 
um, jog up the ladder a little bit, you know? And, and, and you cannot deny that angle. I don't understand why people take that as, oh, my God, Mark's freaking out. The world's going to end. I never, I never said the world's going to end. All I'm saying is history does repeat itself. It happens, and it happened in two years ago when they didn't make the playoff for two straight seasons. These are games that you look My at. Points. Yeah, exactly. But I'm the bad guy. I'm the one that's leading everybody off the off the rooftop, and it's just yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> go, see, go ahead. Go ahead. See, you, go ahead, Court. Go, I was just busting. go ahead, Court. I want to hear it. You, I, I, you're the first to tell me it's too early in the season, and then when you made the call, I just let it go. But I don't disagree with you. You don't. You don't lose back to back to Colorado at the oh, end of the year it's... because motive because of what it does to the team it's absolutely and then everybody everybody's like hey look we destroyed the phoenix coyotes i'm like yeah we beat up an ahl team way to go guys like, <laughs> right like seriously they are without clayton keller or oliver ekman larson that team would have a hard time beating providence actually you know what i'm going to call the shot right now providence would have beat that won that game yeah uh, not with their game last night sorry but anyway well we'll talk oh, about no, that yeah. later on <laughs> but uh the games this week um, are going to be very interesting because uh, they're they are in Las Vegas today to play the uh, the new franchise, the Golden Knights, um, at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Um, and then there's a three day break when they come home to play the, uh, a four game ro- uh, home series. I'm sorry, four games at home. But the, the next two this week are against Vancouver on Thursday and Buffalo on Saturday. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm really surprised about this uh, Las Vegas team so far. I did not see this at all when they did the draft and when, while we were talking over the summer. Um, I, I, I kind of thought that they'd be a gritty-style team. Um, that we're, we're going to come out and not be pushed around. Like, you know, they're not going to be that type of per- that team that just, like, lays down because we're new. Um, but I'm, I've been pleasantly surprised. Uh, the efforts of uh, James Neal. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, he's been playing well, uh, although he's injured. So, and, yeah, there, and, goes, there goes their train. Right. But, I mean, any team, it happens to every team. It doesn't matter. It's inevitable. But... They've been a real surprise in the NHL today. I was just curious about how you nice see, surprise. yeah, how you guys see them and 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 the future in this league. Well, they just they did a great job, both in this year's anti draft and the expansion draft, and they mixed it up. Like they got, um, oh, what's the defenseman's name? They got the guy from Anaheim, Shea Theodore. Yeah, for for nothing, for not picking. I think it was Sammy Vatanen. Yes. Yeah. So they got a guy who's projected to be a top four defenseman of the future for basically nothing because they probably weren't going to pick Vatanen anyway. I think it was Vatanen and maybe Richie or someone. But uh, they they've just done a great job of like wheeling and dealing, mixing youth with veterans. They, and Mark Andre Fleury, if I mean any team that could pick up a goaltender like that, who's proven that he can win four Stanley Cups. I mean, that that team to me was going to come out and win straight away. They weren't looking to just be the bottom place team. So I, I think they've done an amazing job, really amazing. 
Well, I'm not going to, you know, toot their horn that much, but uh, <laughs> I, I thought, you know, they drafted defensemen and they got a, a really good goaltender. Like most expansion teams that come in the league get, uh, you know, San Jose treatment, Brian Hayward at the end of his career or Gee Baird when Anaheim did it. But uh, they got Marc-Andre Fleury, a three-time Stanley Cup champion that according to most people in the hockey world uh, was washed up, which is hilarious. But uh, they have good defense something that Boston didn't have in the Colorado series and uh, good goaltending. It's how you win hockey games. If the team plays well, you win. A lot of teams went into that game thinking, Oh, we're going to be their expansion team. And Vegas just laughed in their face. They're going to have their, their biggest challenge now with the fact that they just lost their best player, um, arguably their best player. And uh, we'll see what happens with no Mark Andre Fleury and, uh, our, our friend P.K. Uh, PK Subban's brother, Malkin, in that, um, I don't think they're going to play as well as everybody thinks. Like, I'm, I, I, I am scared a little bit about tonight's game solely for the fact that the Bruins could go in and go, ah, well, he's, he's, he's garbage goalie. You know, we didn't even want him. But we'll see what happens. I kind of... Yeah, they also lost two guys. No, I don't um, count Colin Miller. Yeah. No, they, they lost... Jonathan Marsh's show. Yeah. He's on oh, injured reserve that. now. Yeah. So that's a 30-goal scorer gone from the team for, uh, I'm guessing, at least a month if he's on injured reserve, uh, LTIR. So. I, I honestly hope that the, the Bruins come out and and just fire, fire, fire on Subban if, if he, in fact, gets a start tonight, which is which they are leaning towards him getting the start because of you know, whoever's injured. I, I don't, I don't oh, think, is I that confirmed? Think. I think so. Yeah, because okay. Tuke, that that Took isn't getting the start. No, he, Al, Alex Took got uh, called up from Chicago, so. And he had a bad first two games in Chicago, from what I heard. So, I don't think he's getting the start against the Bruins. I think it's definitely going to be Malcolm. So, I mean, just from having Malcolm in the organization, I know he didn't play a ton of hockey in the in the National Hockey League level, but. Uh, uh, training camps and other camps and other uh, Bruins events. These, this team has seen his weaknesses, and, and they have to expose him. There's no excuses yeah. why you cannot put at least 40 shots on net tonight and just, you know, try to... And, and the LA, um, LA, the Las Vegas um, uh, defense is, is not one that's, you know, a pushover either, but you're going to have to expose them too. So, but... What? Need speed against them. We guys like Derek England on the back end. You just oh, need we speed. have speed. We just got to start using it. Right. Uh, yeah. We used we used it last game, and they, you know, once again against an AHL team. But they can do the same thing they did against Nashville and come out like gangbusters against Las Vegas, and they should win the game because we know Malcolm Subban. His confidence is, you know, shaky at best when they they hammer him right off the bat. So. See what happens. You, we all know, unfortunately, what's probably going to happen is he's going to play well, and everybody's going to call for Tuka's head. But whatever. Some of our fan base is a little bit lunatic, so. <laughs> um, so Thursday night they're playing in Vancouver, and Vancouver is uh, a one-two-one-one record with um, two points. Uh, not very good to start the season. And then Saturday they play the Buffalo Sabers, and Buffalo is sitting. Oh four and one in five yeah, games. Tough. So, um, prediction time. I am not gonna go 
three and zero like I did last week. That was just a ridiculous uh, stretch. So that I'm was a, called optimism. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, okay. <laughs> it's I'm gonna say a win against. Uh, I, I can't. I'm not gonna say the, the wins. I'm gonna go two wins, one loss. Uh, I'm gonna go three and zero. Ah. And call, call, you know you want to. No, I'm going to say one. <laughs> one and two. One and two for court. All right. Oh, we've all got Vancouver. something different. Vancouver, I, I've seen Vancouver play the Bruins way too many times to know that for some reason they have our number, just like Colorado. Um, that, yeah, we that, might have beat them in the Stanley Cup Finals, but it, I've been let down way too many times. If I had to pick court, honestly, if I had to pick the game that was – I called 2 and one so the game that I was going to lose was Thursday night against um, – Against the the Nucks. Yeah. See, their their coach is so dumb. Oh did wow! You, That's how you uh, really feel. Well, yeah, but <laughs> did you not see that he he scratched Brock Besser after yes. having a good game? To no, put, no, good like, training camp. He didn't start him for the whole. I picked him in the draft, and I had to drop him because he didn't play him for the first two games. Yeah, because the the main thing was he brought up a guy from the AHL. Who had prior NHL experience and played him ahead of Brock Besser, even sounds, though Brock Besser had an amazing game. It sounds like Claude Julian, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, and, how's Montreal doing? And oh, mind you, oh, oh, oh. Alex Galchenyuk, uh, apparently future first line star, uh, is now fourth line center. Well, and he's actually, actually you no, know fourth he line is, right wing. He so. is good. He is good. Galchenyuk is good. Watch him go to any other team and light it up. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean, but I, I wish, I kind of wish the Bruins could get him somehow, but I doubt they would. If you ever have, needed to replace Spooner. We, we have, yeah, we have that, we have Zarnik, we have anybody who can replace Spooner. I'm sorry, Spooner has not played well. No. But for a guy who's trying to play to keep his career in Boston, he's showing me a different kind of game. He's a, he has thrown the body around a bit, which surprised me. Um, especially in last night's game. I can't remember who it was. Uh, one of the players went hard to the net and was, like, crouched over the top of Hudobin, and he just came in, trucked him straight off the top of him, put him back down. That was surprising to see. But other than that, I haven't really seen much from Spooner. Or the whole team. McAvoy's had the nicest hit so far. It was oh, a yeah. beauty hit. The kid's a beast. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, but he, look, he looks for it a lot, doesn't he? <laughs> like, you <laughs> see it in his eyes. He always lines someone up when they're coming in. and Yeah, that'll hey, go can, from his can game. We, can we mention awesome that uh, Anders Burak got his first goal? Absolutely. That was a beauty. Uh, it was an absolute just. I mean, and, and Jake DeBrusque. Um, uh, hey, I, I picked him. Yeah, Jake, J- Jake DeBrusque with a sweet pass. And that and that Jake DeBrusque was the uh, and Anders Bjork was the player that assisted on uh, Jake DeBrusque's first NHL goal. So it was kind of cool how that did that whole reversal uh, thing. So good for him. I expect a lot. I mean, it's it's been four games, and yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more. I you know I wouldn't be out of the realm to think that he he's possible for an 18 to 20 um, goal season. I mean, yeah. But, um, I'd also like to uh, welcome back Brad Marchand. He all of a sudden wanted to play hockey last night. Nice <laughs> yeah. It was nice to see. Nose face killer. 
Oh, the thing is, though, with the no invisible killer for since the playoffs. So uh, I was like, oh, Marshan's back. Oh, that's nice. A... If I see one more spinorama, though, I'm going to get way <laughs> watching these games because it's into the drinking game. You have Brendan Carlo falling. You have his spinorama. If you do that, watch a game. If you every time a defenseman falls or Marshan does a spinorama, you'd be hammered. Right. Yeah. Just hammered by the end of the game. The thing with uh, Bjork that I was finding so frustrating watching the game this morning was uh, I, I was screaming at him to shoot. Like, the amount of open chances he gets where he looks to pass the puck. And I was like, just shoot it. Please, just shoot it. And then he finally did. But, I mean, didn't we, we've seen the same from, like, Pasternak in the past and everyone. That mm-hmm. It's that first few game jitters where they're like oh i don't want to shoot him miss the net and cause a turnover i'll pass it and then it just never goes well but i'm sure he'll start shooting soon uh speaking of core players let's get into a little bit of news um elliot friedman on hockey night in canada said that the bruins would prefer to resign zidane char instead of trading him uh, there has been some rumblings that some teams have asked the Bruins about him. Would they consider moving him this year? Friedman said, John Don Sweeney said again today that he is not planning on moving him and does plan on re-signing him. So this is an interesting topic for me because I, you know, I, I know I've maybe, uh, I, I, I have actually, displaced a little displeasure for the, for the, the aging veteran and 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 team captain and uh, i just want to i just i see both sides of the coin i see value if he sticks around i see value if he's traded but i don't want to see this team lock him up for two three years i think the, the smart thing to do is go one year at a time um but his leadership cannot be denied and for him to still do it at 40 i mean i'm still amazed but even though i'm 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 biased on letting the the youth come up a little further try no. to try to make this team you know I, I i i'm just ready to move on from all the old guys from 2011 and kind of let's let's that get first runs one of those guys just just throwing that out there has he slowed down has he slowed down well yeah, well, he hasn't played, so... I know he hasn't. I, <laughs> you suck. Well, I just walked myself right into that one. 100%. All, all, I, all I have to say is to the Chara, Chara people, that, that side of the fence, just think about it. We say Bergeron is my favorite player by far. We would be saying the same thing about Patrice. Are we really going to do this? Are we really going to do this to people's careers every time in Boston? We're like, all of a sudden, we're like, they're a bag of crap, and we're just going to dump, dump, dump. Like Jimmy Hayes leaves and it's like, hey, let's dump on Chara for the year. Like how many people after the the second Colorado game were saying, rip the C off his chest, give it to Bergeron. But you gotta also you gotta also look at the business side of it. Don't you think that his four million dollars he's making this season and possibly could make next season if he's resigned, that doesn't go to other areas of need? I mean the defensive one year deal on a one year deal, what area of need? Because signing a free agent is not an area of need with all the youth we have. If you can get one year out of Chara, have that conversation with him, have one more year based on what happens by the end of this season, and he takes that hometown discount, why not? He's not going anywhere, people. He's got his roots here in Boston. He doesn't want to go anywhere. He will take the deal. If if the GM and the coaching staff 
who know the the young kids coming up better than all of us. Like we can watch them till we're blue in the face, but they know these kids. If they have the feeling that some of them could use one more year down in the A, Chara's coming back. If right. not, Chara's not coming back. I have faith in Sweeney, the way he's handled these kids and the way he's brought them up, that he's going to do the right thing regardless. So I'm just going to have faith that if he thinks he's coming back, then he's coming back. Right. No, is it? The way I see it is, like, they're going to look at it, can someone take Chara's spot? And right now, no. Like like you were saying, if there's someone ready in Providence, then yeah. But there's there's no left-handed defenseman ready in Providence to step in and take his minutes. Well, I, I think he should. I think they should lower his minutes, hundred percent. Yeah, but but who out of the Providence Bruins do you think is ready to play twenty plus minutes a night next next season? Yeah, because I don't think anyone. I don't think so either. Yeah. So I'm. I'd be happy to take a year's contract on for him because who needs re-signing at the end of this year? Ryan Spooner, yeah, who's probably going to get traded. I don't like. I don't know. I don't know who really needs a big contract next year, there, and there, why would there, it hurt to just? We don't have anybody. Take... Yeah. So why would it hurt to? I mean. Like he's only going to take two to three million, I think. And so he's going to take a little look... discount. Yeah, but look at. Million. Look at uh, Jerome McGinley. Isn't and that's not bad at all. In the league. Yeah, Jerome McGinley's not playing anywhere in the league. Can't even get like 600 grand for a contract. Uh, it took until what, a week into the season for Yarmie Yaga to sign? Like, if he goes to free agency, he's not going to sign with somewhere straight away. It's right. not going to happen. And if he does, it's only because he's an amazing locker room leader. I think he would. I think many teams would take him in a heartbeat. Oh, man. Uh, Steve Dangle on the Steve Dangle podcast is like, please, Toronto. Please, Toronto. Make a deal with Boston. Get Chara here. He... Oh, any day of the week, any team would take him. Right. No, it's no denying, there's no denying his talent. I'm not, you know, I, I am not ever going there. I just, you know, his age is always a concern. And, uh, yeah, you age know. is just a number. I've told I, you this many times. I know. I know, I just... Court. Hey, do you I remember when Yager was a Bruin and everybody thought that he was washed up? Yeah. Wasn't that uh, hilarious? Look, you how, can't, you look can't... how stupid we all look. I know. <laughs> you but can't like, see me, but I'm raising I my hand. I want to see 40 games into the season. Yeah, yeah. I, I, mean... I want to see him hold himself and see, like, is he worth two to three million? Yes. Probably is. Just the reach alone with his stick is two what, to three million. What did, I, what, did I say to, what did I say today, Mark? His stick has more skill than half of our comments. I know. Yeah. And I was just like, this is my best friend, really. You know, you guys are like all, always my best friends and everything. But I'm like, did he really say that? I'm like, way to set the bar, brother. Yeah, well, drop in truth. Right. It, it is. His stick is like another player. Like, right. I just, I, I've been tooting the, the whole Chara thing, and I just feel like it's a broken record. Everybody's, you know, everybody's like, oh, when is he going to be this? When is he going to be that? Are we... We're pulling a Chris Chelios here. You know what? You know when he's done? When he tells us he's done. Yeah. He's the captain of this team. Let's treat him with respect. And when he's done, he's done. Let's not let's not make a joke out of this. Let's not make a laughing stock out of his career. And I don't think he's going to do that. He wants to retire a Bruin. He wants his number up in the Raptors, which it will be. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Come on, people. Get your head out of your asses. All right. Now that I'm nice and Sorry, clean. I'm just a little strong on that one. Don't worry about it, man. 
Um, we got we got to talk about the goaltending, and I'm I'm not just gonna uh, <laughs> focus on on Tuka Rask, and 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 frankly, my displeasure for him this season. He's still one of my favorite goalies. I'm not doubting that, but I'm not blind to see his faults. Uh, he's he he struggled. He struggled, and there's no denying that. So. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of like on the fence right now because I've been following this guy for so long and I'm just waiting, 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 waiting. And I'm kind of like, I think this is the year that he really needs to do something for me. You know what I mean? As a fan and as a faithful follower, I want to see his best effort this year. I And then after that, I am open. Now Now I'm, my favoritism is going on the other side of the coin, which I often do too much, I guess. Yeah. And then, then you look at value where he can go, who can come back in and, and, and replace him. Right now, nobody. Absolutely nobody. Zane McIntyre is not your guy. I don't care the story. I don't care the hype. I don't care the love. Or he's cute. He is not the story. Okay, he's not. Up in my mouth. <laughs> well, the, the, there are those fans out there, and I'm sorry to say this, that just... Oh, you don't have to apologize. I know. You mean the Tyler Sagan thumbs? Yeah. No. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> It just reminds me of a sign. He's so dreamy. Hey, I yeah. did this in high school. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. Man. Yeah, it was. <laughs> you know what? Tuka hasn't played well, but if you remember last year, he played amazing at the beginning of the season. Everybody's down on him, and near the end of the year, he was uh, a garbage truck on fire for a little bit. And then we had Captain Garbage Truck on Fire, Hudobin, who beats an AHL team last night, and you'd swear to God the fan base is like, starting goalie. Vizina. Vizina. Back to back. That's the. That is not something you do, in any. Like he played a great game, but you do not start a goalie in back to back games. You just don't do it. I don't right. care how well he played the game before. You just don't do it. They don't even do that at the AHL level. No, they don't do it in any level, except in the house league. So I, I definitely want to see Tuka's best game tonight. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And and for the rest of the season, um, he's attention. Yep. Um, but. Yeah, uh, Hudobin, uh, he did play very well last night. I was really surprised. Um, I, 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 I wouldn't use the term really well. Right. I think his team played well in front of him, and the team has not played well in front. The team, not the, just the defense, the team has not played well in front of Tuca at all. But Tuca has let two first goals in both Colorado games. The first goal demoralized his bad. team. Yeah, they were very bad. Yeah, very bad, and... Like in the, the second game when McQuaid scored a nice goal on him, that was the first goal of the game. Nice tip shot, you know. They, he, I could, you could tell he gave McQuaid that look of like you, you are not my friend right now. <laughs> you, you're forgetting also the uh, Neil Yakupov. Oh yeah, uh, race to the puck. Oh that one. Why try and beat one of the fastest skaters in the league to the puck now? Because his coach is telling him to. Oh really? Was- yeah, I suppose the coach is telling him, Cassie's telling him to play with the puck. Now, you know what? I can totally understand because Raskis doesn't play with the puck a lot. But how about this? Let's just try and win games at the beginning of the season. Don't try anything that we're not used to doing. Because right. the problem is, right. the biggest problem with this team right now is, last year when Bergeron was out, who do we have? We had Bacchus to be that leader. When you when they pan the bench, you have nothing. You have a love him to death, right. Pasternak. You have, you have Pasternak, a love him to death, like I'm getting his jersey. Um, he's joking. He's fooling around. That's not what you need. You need someone kicking these guys in the ass. 
You need yeah. we had Sean Thornton back in the day, and then Bergeron was that guy. And Bacchus was very good on the bench last year. You have you're missing two strong leaders. Char can't do it all by himself. Krejci did it in the first game, and then all of a sudden he disappeared for two games. So I don't know. I think we need some leadership on this team. Yeah. But last yeah. night Char stepped up and showed with an example. So if a team comes out flat. That's pretty much his team telling him to, to go F himself and they don't care because Chara set the example last night. Yeah. Um, um, there's the whole thing of Riley, uh, Riley Nash playing first-line center. Well, playing Berger on center position, which is either first or second line. That is just craziness. Mm-hmm. Don't disagree. And expecting him to lead with two kids on either wing was kind of a bit weird. Uh, I know they moved him to... I think he was playing with Pasternak and uh, Marchand at the end. But at one point, he was out on a line with Anders Bjork and DeBrusque, and they kind of looked lost. There wasn't much communication. But, I I mean, I expect anyone who has been in the league for more than two to three years to step up and say, right... You have to lead while while one of your leaders is gone. Well, two of your leaders in Bergeron and Bacchus, you have to step up and throw your hat in and tell these guys, look, smarten up. If you make a mistake, you need to learn from it and move on. But it, it's just. But I I know on Twitter everyone was bashing the uh, the D men. And everything, but it's it's on the whole team. Like the forwards need to come back a bit more and help out, and they need more hustle. I mean, that fourth line looked better than any other line on the ice. Yeah, and that shouldn't be happening. And just wait till they get Nash back on that line, because that's I I kudos <clears throat> to him for what he's had to do, because that's a lot yeah. of pressure for that guy, because that's not his role. Um, but they're trying to obviously uh, keep. Uh, Krejci uh, pl- teaching these young kids, even though I still don't understand. Like, just keep past on his line. Why are we making it so much easier for teams to check us? We're missing Bergeron, and we're still power putting a whole line together. Hey, you know what? I'm not the coach, but it just makes no sense to me. You're making it easier for teams to check us. Yeah. He's putting all the best guys together and just going, all right, that's the one line you need to watch out for. Don't worry about the rest. Uh, speaking of that fourth line, I I was quite impressed with that one last night. I thought yeah. that I thought that they really uh, showed me that they are willing to buy uh, well not buy in but uh, tempt um, four lines of, of of some powerful offense. I mean not powerful, you know what I mean, but a step up, you know what I mean. Um, I I, I think it was Heinen and um, Corrali and Shallow. Yeah. And shallow. I thought that that was yeah. a very good line, very productive. Um, it ended up being the third line by the end of the game. That right. Was the third line. They were rolling three lines. So, yeah. and I mean, shallow played really well as a defensive center on that line. Like he held back, let the wingers do the work in the corners, and kind of like Bergeron does, just keep up around the top of the hash marks and make sure nothing comes out or gets free. And he did an amazing job of that. But Corelli and Heinen would. I, I was surprised with Heinen in the corners. Yeah. I didn't Corelli in front of the net. Yeah. Crashing the net. Yeah. 
If you look at the, the ice time, Spooner, if it wasn't for the power play, barely played. Bolesky, yeah. barely played. Zarnik, barely played. Yeah. And wow. then you have you you have that Corrali Schaller. They're they're thirteen, fifteen minutes each. Wow. Ross, so they earned they it. They earned it. Yeah, Heinen. Yeah. Heinen got fifty almost sixteen minutes, plus he almost had two minutes on the power play, plus he played shorthanded. And he's got three three assists in his two games that he's been called up. Hey, I like the kid. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I mean, I, a friend of the show, Brandon Shea Cohen, is constantly talking about him. I love the kid too. I just want to see more about him. You know what I mean? I, I, I think we're going to see a better sample size this year than we did at the beginning of last year when he came in for, I think it was, was it eight games or 12 games? So, I think it was only. Yeah, somewhere in there. So, so. He got, so he played. he got five shots last night. Like, he played a good game. Yeah, I thought yeah. so. He got the most shots. Most shots on that on Abram. Hey, one can thing. We, can we talk about how invisible, even though Pasternak scored last night? Yeah, that, a little worried about him right now. That's my next subject. I just, I just wanted to, I just wanted to touch on one thing. Going back to the goaltending and and the depth that I was talking about. Um, this one is is kind of puzzling to me. Um, huge Dan Vladar fan, 2015 third round pick, uh, currently playing in the East Coast Hockey League. That is my issue. Why is he in the East Coast Hockey League? And and when I heard about this, and then future news came out that the Providence Bruins have accepted uh, this Jordan Bennington on a loan from St. Louis to go to Providence and split time with Zane McIntyre. That kind of raised a red flag to me, as in, what are you doing? Honestly, did you not see what Vladar did at the AHL level with better talent in front of him? He was unbeaten. He he's I think he's ready for the AHL. I'm not a professional. I don't go to all the games. I'm not there for practices. I I, I, I stream the games so and I and I watch and I pay attention and I do this. I know the kid's going to be a good goaltender. But why 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 accept a guy on loan where he could have gone to any other organization to get ice time? And you're blocking this guy from playing where he's unbeaten as a rookie in North America. I don't get it. Does anybody else have anything like, did you hear anything about this or why this is happening? Because it's it's very, it's mind-boggling to me, honestly. Yeah, I just don't understand the whole why, first of all, why you're allowed to loan a guy if you've taken on too many prospects and can't give them ice time, that's your own fault. Yeah. So St. Louis should send him down to the ECHL. Right. I, I think it's because they don't have an affiliate, do they? Mate, they're, they're slowly working on it. I think they're sharing an affiliate right now in Chicago with with the Vegas Golden Knights. So... I, I, I'm, he's not our prospect. You yeah. know what I mean? And why, why would we give him time to right. develop him? Right. To then give him back to St. Louis and then at the same time hurt our own draft prospect yeah. in Dan Vladar by sending him down to a league that for the moment is known for brutality. Like, there's. An, I, I, I'm sorry, but the ECHL right now seems a bit of a goon show. Right. Uh,. From the games that I've seen, it does seem like it seems like English hockey, like heavy hitting. Everyone's trying to hurt each other. The English play hockey. Oh yeah, quite well actually. Oh. I've seen a bunch of other games. Imagine. Have Don't you seen, say that uh, word quite well. 
<laughs> you know uh, <laughs> Oh cool. You know, football, I can't wait to like, I can't wait to meet you in, in March. <laughs> no, quite it's well. like football hooligans <laughs> on ice. That's kind of what it's like. Right. Well okay. it can be. Sometimes it's really good. Sometimes it's football hooligans on ice. But that's quite well is like saying Doby should be our starter. Oh god. <laughs> uh, don't start bashing other countries. <laughs> I didn't bash. I wasn't bashing. I'll remind I'm you saying, whose queen you, could, you have. You, yeah, well, don't, don't stop. I'm not, I'm not bashing your country. I am bashing your hockey skills. That's totally I'm different. I'm sending thing. Elizabeth over there. We're going to take all your guys. You'll, you'll, destroy <laughs> us, you'll destroy us in football. You'll destroy us in, you know, cricket and rugby and all that. That's great. But oh, come on. This is so, this is so good intro. Uh, this is I'm using this. This little bit of what just happened in our new intro. <laughs> Two fucking funny guys. Oh my god, I dropped the F-bomb. Um, so now we get to talk about Pasternak and, 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 and Court's concerns about how his play is going on. And, and you cannot deny the fact that um, he's, a, he's a minus player right now. And... Um, there are some concerns, even though he does have two goals in the season. Uh, still a young player, uh, learning the game. Um, Court, what, Court, what are your uh, your concerns about this? Uh, I I just find he is overskating the puck a lot. He seems to be trying to do too much when he should just be playing his game. I I I, I love it when he's joking around in warm up because I know he he's a loose type of player. But it seems for some reason he's gripping his stick a little tight out there. He scored. He scored because Zdeno Chara took a blast of a shot and put it off his leg and put it into the net. That was but right. Other than that, like, that stunned him minus, too. He, he's minus two right, uh, right now, but he went into that game minus five. Yeah. He is an amazing hockey player. An amazing hockey player. Uh, he's, he's up in the top 20 in the league, you could say. But he needs to just maybe just wake up. Maybe not playing with Krejci. He he doesn't have Krejci's his idol, right? Maybe since he's off Krejci's wing for a bit, he's uh, he's forgetting what he's got to do. He, his role is to go out there and score goals, um, and, and to skate back. And I just don't see it. Like in the first game against Nashville, we saw the Boston Bruins team that we all wanted, and then we see the Colorado game, and everybody was invisible. Well, I'm expecting a huge game from Pasternak tonight in Las Vegas. Show me. Nice. All right. We have uh, some uh, what you brew in mailbag questions. Um, nobody from the Patreon contributed this week, so I reached out to the general public on Twitter. Uh, Chad at Spoked uh, underscore B uh, asks, uh, where, do, where do we think Ryan Spooner stands as of right now? Is he... Is his time coming to an end in Boston? Yes. I believe so. I believe this is a one-year op- uh, audition, and and from the sample size I've seen this season, I'm not overly impressed that he gets um, gets more time in Boston at all. So he's got to show me something. And, you know, he's he definitely has the time to turn things around uh, offensively. He, he, he is a very good player on the power play in the half wall. He plays it well. I mean, he he definitely reminds me of Savad, but he's he's got to with you know with only fifty percent of his skill. Right. Yeah. He's just got to. Um, 
25. I, I like that better, Rob. A lot of the times I find that he, he's looking way too much for the pass and needs to shoot more. So that's just my thought. I mean, he's the type of player, another player that I can I put in the category that he might flourish better elsewhere. You know, Correct. I, I see the value yeah. on both sides again. I know he's probably sick of hearing it, but um, it is what it is. His confidence yeah, just... with the Bruins is gone. Yes. Like, you can tell. He doesn't skate the same way he did. He doesn't play the same way he did. His confidence is gone. He's scared that he's going to lose his job, so he's trying to play the way they want him to play, which is being a two-way center, which is something that he isn't. You can tell they're down on him because Riley Nash is playing top six minutes and Ryan Spooner isn't. Um, it's just it's not going well for him. It's not going to go well for him in the future. I think he'll be gone by the trade deadline. I think, to be honest, he might be gone once Bergeron and Backus come back because if the kids keep playing the way that they're doing, they're not going to want to send them down. So someone has to go. And if he's still a minus player and still not skating the way he should do, then get rid of him. Yeah, because it seems if it wasn't for the power play, he wouldn't see the ice. Yeah. And the thing is, if if I was the Bruins and I wanted to offload him, I'd go to someone who is desperate for a top six centre right now and say, you give me one of your better centre prospects that's young, that's probably still in the juniors, that needs time to develop, and I'll give you a bona... Well, not bona fide, but a top six six centre-back. Oof. It, so, it could happen. We've seen it before where teams teams are desperate for something right then and the other team doesn't need it and they go, right, we'll give us someone that's going to take five years to develop and there you go. Perfect fit, I find, for him right now. I, I don't know why. It is New Jersey Devils. Oh, I was going to say I was gonna say Carolina. Well, Carolina is a, whole, a lost cause. When you're only getting under 7,000 people to a game, right. they don't even factor into my... Uh, so they won't, I, they, I, won't, they, won't, they won't miss his skills. <laughs> no one will miss the team. Like move the team to Quebec already, or right. or or Seattle, wherever you want to do. But um, but New Jersey Devils, if you look at it, the type of play they play, the speed, 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 and that's how they're beating teams right now. Right. Um, yeah. The type of type of game we want Boston to play, the speed game, but we can't with the certain type of players we have, especially their defense. Um, New Jersey might be a nice fit for them, and you could get some. They have some prospects and some pieces that you might be able to get back in return. Mm-hmm. Because that's what you're getting back. You're not gonna. We don't even need a roster spot player for him when you yes. look at it. Once, like as as Rob said, when Backus and Bergeron come back, does he even play? Right. Like him or Frank Pitano is gonna be, uh, you know, choosing what type of popcorn they want. Yeah. Well, Frank Pitano already is scratched yeah. last night. So, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, well, he's gonna be scratched again tonight because there's no way they scratch anyone from that team yesterday. I no. said I said they go with the same lineup. Actually, I, I want yeah, to see him roll with it and go with it, and if it works, keep working and plugging no, it away. Not, not the goaltender. No, the thing is, no, I know. I would, I'd make a change uh, and I'd sit McQuaid and let Paulsmo play because Paulsmo yeah. hasn't had a game yet. Yeah, it's going to happen gotta, sooner or later. You got to get him in. Yeah, and McQuaid's just—I'm uh, sorry, I—I I am a—I'm a, not a big McQuaid fan, but I'm a McQuaid fan. I just, he's not had his head on. He's just, 
he you just see him drifting around kind of just oh it's it's ugly hey, i think he's playing hurt yeah i really do i think i think pasternak will be after that blast off his knee yeah i don't like i i honestly couldn't believe he's, he kept playing in the game like when i yeah. next noticed he's in the penalty box and i'm like did he put himself in the penalty box purposely <laughs> yeah just like slash the what also i'm sorry i just remembered this uh Brickley, uh, Brick on commentary yesterday called something straight away. There was a penalty. No one knew what it was for. No one knew who was getting the penalty or anything. And Brick said, I guess it's a slashing call because that's what every penalty for the first <laughs> first two weeks has been. Guess what the call was? Was it slashing? Yes. <laughs> guess what the call should have been? What? Pucking. <laughs> So it was just funny to see because so, as soon, so wait, as, wait. Like, as soon as he stopped talking, they called it. I was like, oh, my God, really? So, Rob, let me ask you, was the hook in the stick area up near the hands? Yeah, but it didn't. It barely even touched him. <laughs> Unbelievable. It was like it. it's like going over and giving someone like a little fist bump. That's what it looked like, but with a stick. He tapped him and then, no. Nope. <laughs> You can't do that. You can't touch a guy's hands. No, you can, you can touch a guy's face with your hands, but you can't touch hands. No, um, that, did, it, it's getting terrible. Did you guys hear um, Jack Edwards? Uh, I believe it was the first game. He was talking about the stick and and having like a painted zone for where your hands are, and if it breaks, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If it breaks, I guess the referee skates over and sees where it breaks and then makes the makes the call. Really? <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna stop. You guys didn't even see that. You didn't hear that. No, I heard, no. no, I no, I, 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 I did. Okay. It's, just, it's one of those. It's one of those. Whew. <laughs> oh, we're we gonna bring back the fox track fuck too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we gotta get back to these questions. Um, mm-hmm. Jesse uh, on Twitter at Jesse M E D Science uh, with no clear identity on the third third line. Do we know or how things are gonna pan out? Will this? Um, we have, will, have a new third line now. Yeah, but would they look? Night. Yeah, well, there's one small sample size, but uh, he's asking if I, if if it, we, we take our time or do we seek a trade to uh, make an upgrade on the third line? No trade Jesse, yet. Jesse, I know, I know what this. The answer to this that he wants it to no, be. No, not Matt Duchesne. Not Matt Duchesne. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm surprised it's not a question about Matt Duchesne because I was waiting for it as soon as he said who it was. <laughs> you guys know uh, Jesse, yeah. huh? The Bruins, the Bruins trade um, Ryan Spooner for Matt Duchesne straight up, plus we get a first back. That's what's going to happen. Oh, hey, remember, Don't you also, worry. Jesse will also take Landis Cog. Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll have take anybody. He loves Colorado. <laughs> no, um... He's he's a good follow. He's good. He's got a good sense of humor, and 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 no, used, to, yeah. used to write for but, the uh, uh, for our pod, uh, I mean our website. So he's a good friend, and we we enjoy him. But you know, a little off. He has a little bit of a man crush on. Right. Yeah, just a little. Yeah, he only mentions it once or twice a day. I so we're all could, good. I bet you we could check Twitter right now, and he's already mentioned it today. Yeah. Well. um Basically, that third line will be demoted to the fourth line. You can tell that's going to happen. Uh, Bolesky's going to end up playing fourth line minutes. It's guaranteed right now. Uh, I, I believe they'll 
they'll do something with a trade. I I don't think Ryan Spoon is sticking around, especially if his game continues the way it's going. Um, they're not going to be able to move Bolesky. I'm sorry, but uh, maybe they'll just move Ryan Spooner, get some pieces, and then bring uh, Forsbacher Carlson up, who had a couple of good games for the province. He did, and I will definitely mention him in my prospect uh, profile report. There's just yeah, there's just no guys that I see us hunting for trades for because. I think everyone who could fit into the team, like, would, if you get what I mean. Anyone who needs to be traded has a guy in Providence that can fill his spot. So I I don't see them trading for anyone big. And I don't see teams yet, with it being so early in the season, looking to make any moves. Um, Besides the Toronto Maple Leafs' desperate need of defense, that's not a trading partner. Like, if you look at it... It's almost like the bizarre world. New Jersey playing well. Vegas going 3-0. Like, it's just some crazy Man, you, stuff going on. St. Louis lost uh, Robbie Fabry for the entire season, so they could be looking to add a scoring yep. that's, top six player. Yep, that's true. Maybe. I thought for sure that, that, that uh, St. Louis was going to pick up um, Kenny Agostino back off of waivers, but apparently they don't think much of him because he's actually doing well in the AHL. The um the last question in the uh, what you brewing mailbag is from Anthony on Twitter at Anthony Amico and this one's a, a strange one for me because I, I I love this Bjork guy but he asked do you think Bjork needs some time in the AHL? No. 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 Are you kidding me? <laughs> Can we just put like you know that me that uh, the gif or Jeff sorry. Or just like the face palm of, no. I, I I want the one of Jim Carrey in um, in the uh that oh oh no I, I don't Dumb and Dumber, you know when he's puking like oh oh. You guys never saw that gif? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I want that one. No, you don't put Bjork in the AHL unless he's unless he pulls a Frank Vitrano and doesn't score a point in like. 18 games, then you think about it. You don't put a guy like this. It, there's a reason why he signed so early, because he wants to be on this team as soon as possible, and the Bruins saw him saw him at that time. And, and, and this time was on October 5th when the Bruins played the, the Nashville Predators was the day that he started, and they projected that. There's no way. There's no way. Unless there's absolutely... He, falls off the planet there's the option but I don't see that happening you guys? yeah I just want Bergeron back and then have Bjork on that line so we can actually see what everything was in the training camp when we had that one line and then you had DeBrusque with, with Pasta and Krejci I just want to see it just, 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 just give me a whiff just let me see it once because it excites me I just you know that was a great line in, in, in camp, too. That was so exciting to see that. And, and I love the way that, that Cassidy used uh, Bjork in so many situations. And I believe Bjork got, like, a ton of minutes that game, and even though it was preseason. You know, he's just trying to judge and gauge where he could be, where he could play and, and with certain chemistry and so on. So, But 
You guys gonna stick around for the uh, prospect report? Yeah, I'm really sorry. My router just decided to reset itself. So that was fun. No problem. I'm back now. Uh, let's start off in the American Hockey League with the Providence Bruins. Uh, three games played. They're two one and zero. Oh. Uh, beat Springfield 3-2 on Friday night and uh, lost uh, to Toronto last night by the score of 3-2. Uh, Kenny Agostino is uh, leading the way with seven points in three games. Peter Kloharik has five points in three games. Uh, Jakob Vorsbacher Carlson has uh, four points in three games. And uh, Zane McIntyre is now 2-1-0 with a 2.35 goals against, 0.915 save percentage. And before yesterday, he was 2-0 with a 2.00 goals against and .935. He didn't have a very good game last night, nor, nor did the team. So, um, uh, Next game's coming up are, uh, Friday night at Springfield again. And then Saturday night, they're at home against uh, the Belleville team, which is a new franchise in the American Hockey League. And then Sunday, they're home against uh, another fr- new franchise, which is Lavelle in this Montreal Canadiens affiliate. Um, East Coast Hockey League, Gal- Atlanta Gladiators. Dan Fladar got his first start in 2018. Uh, 17-18, giving up three goals and a 3-1 to loss to the Florida Everblades. Uh, Vladar made 30 saves on 33 shots. The OHL, Jack Stanika, Oshawa Generals, had a goal in Friday night's 3-2 loss to Hamilton and had a goal and two assists in last night's 12-6 thumping. They lost to the uh, Owen Sound. And out of the eight games played, Jack Stanika this season has only had no points once, which is pretty good. And he's he's off to a great start, even though the team is a little shaky at this point. Uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, Cedric Pare, the St. John Sea Dogs, currently on a six-game pointless streak and only has a goal and an assist in 10 games played this season. WHL, Daniel Bukak, the defenseman, is still injured and remains on the shelf uh, with no idea of a possible return. I'm definitely going to keep up with him with a... Uh, uh, friend and former guest uh, Perry Bergson, who covers the uh, Brandon Wheat Kings for the Brandon Sun. And the NCAA, the only real um, news that came out of there, because the season's just starting now for coll- collegiate hockey. So, like, like uh, Ryan Donato hasn't even played a game yet, while Trent Frederick has already played, like, five. Uh, you see the difference. But uh, the only person that I mentioned is Trent Frederick of the Wisconsin Badgers uh, after last night's 4-1 win over the Merrimack College um, Warriors. He added an assist, and he has five points in five games. And that is this week's Prospect Report. Welcome back, gentlemen. <laughs> Didn't go anywhere, buddy. Oh, you listened to the whole thing? I yeah. did. Oh, who put me on mute? I didn't put you on mute. Oh, I heard something. Maybe that was me. There you go. You put yourself on mute. <laughs> I, I put I put myself on mute. Oh, that's I bit, always all right. mute myself while uh, you do this. I I want to say one thing. I just went through Jesse's tweets. He has not tweeted about Duchesne. Not yet. Today. No. Well, I just replied to his message to Mark with a uh, a GIF of Matt Duchesne. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> 
is going to start the whole conversation back up again. Yeah, for sure. Actually, we, I, I, I got to get Jesse on here sometime. That'd be fun. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, dude, he's stacked. You see the freaking size of that guy? No. You no, ever I seen his picture? I yeah, I will. You know, he's like, yeah, I know, but he works out. It's pretty cool. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess um is. Uh, I hate doing this, but I think that's it. Oh, no, no, I had to, have to mention something. Um, just wanted to throw out there that we we did pass 25,000 listens um, last week in 66 episodes, so I think that's a, a proud moment for us. And um, also, uh, just, just a, uh, it is a long list, but a small list, of the where we're being list, listened from. And it's definitely the U.S., Canada, the United Kingdom, Sweden, Austria, Finland, Germany, Czech Republic, Switzerland, Taiwan, Russia, Norway, Italy, Mexico, New Zealand, and Slovakia are our top listens. Um, I think that's pretty pretty freaking cool, and I'm, I'm definitely that proud crazy. of that. Definitely proud of that because didn't, uh, didn't the uh, the page hit a milestone as well? Yes, we. Um, since we went, the website's been live for a while, but since I put this team together and started with court and then we, we, we moved on to like other writers, we, we now have, I think 11. Um, but that started up in April or March. No, I believe it's February and we've just passed a hundred thousand, uh, page views. So that was really cool. And we're all close to 300 subscribers, uh, through, um, through email so pretty cool stuff man we're definitely moving up well done, and, guys yeah definitely moving up the team is amazing um we have so many great people so many new people that are coming in and 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 still if anybody out there that's listening has any writing skills at all or uh wordpress knowledge please get in touch with me if you're a bruins fan and you love talking about the the game and you want to put it in text um let me know i mean we uh we do encourage people to come on and Give it a shot and see what you got. So, um, is that it, boys? I hate asking. Are we done? Uh, I don't think there's much more to talk about tonight. Uh, no. Um, let's let's win the hockey game. I'm yeah. sad to say that I have my own personal hockey game, so I will not be watching the game tonight. But, uh, oh. yeah. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'd rather be playing hockey than watching it any day of the week. So I got you. Yeah. Um, it's what it is. Anyway, please, um, thank you very much for for listening and being all the contributors of Patreon. Um, hats off to you, and hats off to uh, all the other ways that you guys support us. We really appreciate it. Uh, please rate us on Apple iTunes uh, and any other podcatcher that you currently use, and um, give us a um, you know some good words, some bad words, or whatever. Um, but but we want to uh, usher in. My conversation with um, with Steve Cornianos, uh, he covers the, uh, the, <laughs> the the prospects that are coming up in the future of the NHL, and he does a great job. He has a great podcast called The Draft Analyst, and he uh, also has a great website called thedraftanalyst.com, and um, I had a conversation with him about uh, Ontario Hockey League and Ottawa Generals forward, Bruins prospect, Jack Studnika, so... Um, Enjoy it. It's coming up next, and uh, we'll leave you with that. Thank you very much, guys. 
Hey Bruins fans, uh, for the past couple of weeks, as everybody has been knowing, I'm a huge prospect guy and, and nothing makes me happier than to get the information about prospects and future Bruins to the people that deserve it the most, the fans. And today in my third installment of the uh, Canadian junior prospects that the Bruins have, uh, we're going to go to the uh, Ontario Hockey League. And we're going to talk to NHL draft analyst and hockey historian for the draftanalyst.com website, uh, Steve Conianos. Uh, you can find Steve on Twitter at the draft analyst. And also, please, if you're it, whether it prospects or hockey talk, please subscribe to this guy's uh, the draft analyst podcast um, on iTunes or any uh, available podcatcher you can. He's, this is he's got a great setup, great information, and doesn't awesome job and one of my go definite top three go-to's for anything uh prospect related uh steve welcome to the black and gold hockey podcast thank you for your time today oh mark no problem thank you for having me it's definitely an honor and a privilege um before we get started into uh into talking about uh berwin's prospect uh jack stunica who plays for the Oswald generals um, I just want to, if you wouldn't mind, just give a little bit of a background on, on how you got to be so uh, involved in hockey. And also, um, if you wouldn't mind uh, talking a little about, about your, uh, your Army career as a retired officer. And, and by the way, thank you for your service. Oh, no problem. Uh, I mean, it's quite simple. I mean, I was a, a young kid growing up in Brooklyn. We played a lot of street hockey. And uh, when I was around like 10 or 11 years old, I realized I wasn't good enough to make it to the NHL. So I just started, you know, my cousin for my birthday got me a like a team media guide and I was just obsessed with it. And, and I was just reading over it and over the stats and everything. And then little by little, my library grew and uh, I decided I wanted to become a sports writer. That was a good, like my dream as a kid. And, uh, you know, I went to Northeastern in Boston and it's a great it's a great hockey city. Uh, got a chance to work for the sports information department there, which is basically do all the media guides and stats for the hockey team. And uh, from there, it kind of just, uh, like I said, it was always an obsession. When I go to the library to study for finals, I'd always kind of find time to, uh, to find the media guides or the NHL record book and official guide and read that and study it. And so uh, it was always in me. And then uh, I got lucky enough to get a job at this place in Boston. They're not there anymore, but in 2000, they, uh, there was a place called Sports Ticker. Boston and it used to be called House Sports Data and they were the official minor league statistician for baseball and what happened was I guess Sports Ticker was based out of Jersey and they bought them and then ESPN bought Sports Ticker so in a way when I first started working there and there was just basically media guide stuff what they wanted me to do was uh, grab media guides and just update all player data and stats and make sure everything was correct and key punch box scores from you know Pacific Coast League games and things like that. Uh, and then when ESPN bought the company, they said, hey, we want people to start going to uh, games and at least getting quotes from the locker rooms and, and, and phoning in scores because that's what Ticker used to do. So I became a credentialed reporter for the Bruins, uh, also one for the, for the Celtics as well, Boston College, uh, the Red Sox, you name it. We had like a small little office, but it was about 10 of us. Uh, one of them is Kevin Winner. I don't know if you know who Kevin Winner is. Uh, yeah, Kevin went on was on EEI and ESPN uh, radio. He and I worked we worked together. We did games, recaps, you name it. Uh, so I did that for a couple of years, and then uh, you know 9/11 happened, and my I guess my uh, priorities kind of shifted, and so I I basically enlisted. I enlisted I think the day right the day after 9/11 I I enlisted, 
And then uh, a girl I was with at the time said, no, you can't go. It's too dangerous. So I put it off for a year. And then in that year, I worked for the Associated Press and uh, did some hockey NHL game previews for them and then went right to the Army in 2003. And, uh, you know, the Army's definitely an interesting uh, line of work. Uh, you know, I was an artillery officer, so did a lot of uh, artillery-related stuff. Uh, and, uh, you know, was deployed to Iraq for 15 months in 06, 07. Went to Afghanistan uh, as an advisor in 2013. And then I, I retired uh, in February. So the prospect thing never really left me. I've always been involved. The Army obviously made me take a back seat to it, but... Uh, you know, I was always able to kind of stay involved, hockey news subscriptions, watching games online, streaming, things like that. Uh, but even when I was at ESPN, you know, when I first got the job there and they hired me as an editor, I said, I want to do more on prospects. So I, I used to do like an AHL prospect update, uh, the top 30 prospects in the AHL. We did a 2002, uh, NHL draft preview. Uh, I did some stuff for McKean's too. They, they also, uh, the prospect publication based out of Canada. So there was just a little bit of a gap, you know, call, call it a 12-year gap. And then when I realized that I was going to get retired from the Army, I figured, well, what am I going to do with my free time? And uh, I found that uh, following these prospects and, and covering them and watching games and reporting on it via whether it be Twitter, Twitter or on my blog, I figured it's really therapeutic for me. You know, everybody has a hobby. And uh, it, it, it morphed into this uh, obsession again, you know, kind of going back to my roots. So that's pretty much in a nutshell. And what, what I do now is, you know, I guess I'm retired, so I'm, I'm able to watch a ton of games. And it, for me, it's all about giving information out. I, I always found myself uh, trying to figure out, wait, well, this guy scored two goals. What team does he play for? Who drafted him? What round was he in? So instead of going, you know, online and trying to dig through profiles and things like that, I figured I could just do it really quick in a tweet. This guy was drafted here. This is what round he was in. This is who owns him. And uh, so on and so forth. So I, you know, the following kind of grew, and I appreciate all the feedback I've been getting, and guys like you, and uh, you know, Pete Harling at Dauber, and uh, you know, Dave Sarge with the uh, Talking Red with the Devils. I mean, on and on and on. You guys have been great, and it's a really good community we got going on this hockey prospect thing. So proud to be a part of it. Absolutely, and um, that that is an absolute impressive resume. I did not know all of that about you know about yourself and. Because you don't see all that in your in your Twitter profile, um, but well, I got listen right place at the right time. You know, when I got hired at Sports Ticker, they they were paying me eight bucks an hour to key punch, you know, media guy data, and then they're like, "Oh, you have a journalism degree from Northeastern." And I wasn't a, a good student at Northeastern. Like I said, I spent more time watching hockey and reading about it than I did anything <laughs> uh, else. But uh, they said, "Yeah, you know, we want we want to expand what we have, and if you have any ideas and." And listen, prospect information, it's kind of a niche part of you know, the bigger thing. I found that people are more interested in the NHL aspect than like getting deep into the weeds of, uh, you know, uh, lower level prospects in the in Europe and in you know, Canadian major junior and things like that. It's big in Canada. You know, it's not that big yet in America. So I think that's what we're trying to do is trying to make it more uh, mainstream uh, here. And it, like I said, it's all about giving information that's really tough to find. So absolutely. And and and. I'll tell you, your street hockey career would have blossomed into an NHL career in the uh, yeah, right. in the streets of New York if you were hanging out with Joey Mullen. Oh, no, what? Well, yeah, he's a little bit older. Than he's, he's from, he's from the West Side. Okay, and, all right. And, uh, yeah, it's funny how they always say, like, you know, he, he started out with street hockey, but... Yeah, well, no, the old... The, the old um, help 
way. I mean, you know, you go to Boston College. It's not like someone was scouting him, uh, you know, like uh, in the schoolyards on the West Side Highway. Like he, he was a really good hockey player. He played in school and things like that. So, but yeah, yeah. but uh, I doubt it. Though. I was just a stay-at-home defenseman. Didn't have a good slap shot. I had cheap, cheap skates. Like, yeah, it wasn't very good. I had a good stick, though. I had a, the Sherwood PMP 5030. That was my stick. And, oh, nice. You know, that, I, was, I, was just, I was just terrible, so. Awesome. Well, let's, let's just dive right into the hockey talk, and, and, and thank you again for, for, you know, listing everything that you've gone through, um, which has all, all been very good, and, and your, um, your uh, military experience has been very much appreciated. Um Oh, no problem. Thank you for supporting us. We really appreciate it. Uh, so Jack Stanika was uh, a 2017 second-round pick of the Boston Bruins, and um, I, I don't really know much about him. I've only seen video uh, and, and, and obviously uh, elite prospects, the stats, and everything else. But um, just from what I see on the, on the stats, it, he wasn't a – a, the the best player on the team in his first year as a rookie, but you could definitely tell that every year he's progressing and getting better. And and I'm expecting this year for Oshawa that he's going to have an explosive year. And it's already started with um with nine points in his first six games. Yeah. So so he was uh you know in in I guess Ontario Hockey League or uh, Ontario the province of Ontario hockey circles. He's a he's a notable guy. Uh, he was a first-round pick uh, in the OHL draft in 2015, and um, when a lot of these kids, when they when they're first-round picks, they, you have to give them, uh, I guess, a little bit of leeway in terms of production. So, like when he he made his uh, OHL debut, he was still a year away from his NHL draft year, and he did pretty well. Remember, like Oshawa won the Memorial Cup in 2015, so they were a loaded team, tons of uh, prospects, uh, you name it. And they ended up winning the, you know, the, the, the biggest trophy in Canadian major junior hockey. Uh, he wasn't on that team, but he joined them the following year. So they took a hit. You know, Oshawa lost some players to the NHL or, you know, minor leagues. Um, and, uh, but he was still, you know, still a competitive team. But he got a regular shift that year. He played a lot. Uh, depth guy. But he, you, you saw signs like, okay, th- now I know why the Generals made this guy a first-round pick in the OHL draft. And so because of that solid season that he had, uh, Team Canada looked at him to play for them at the Holinka. The Ivan Holinka is, you know, is the big under-18 tournament. And it's it's the only time that Canada is able to send their best under-18 guys all at once because the, the U18 Worlds that happened in April, it, it, it coincides with the uh, Ontario or the Canadian Hockey League playoffs, and they don't want to disrupt that. So they, they it's really tough to get kids to play uh, unless their teams get eliminated. So the Team Canada squad that they put together for the Link is the powerhouse. It's like the best of the best. It's basically kind of saying these. This is the cream of the cream. This is the best what we have to offer the world. And they they won like eight in a row. And then when uh, so Jack was on that team, uh, he was a little bit of a depth player. Didn't get a whole lot of ice time. And it was a disappointing tournament for Canada because their eight eight year winning streak was snapped. Uh, but you know you saw signs there. Like okay, this kid's pretty good. He's a hustler. I looked at my notes. From the Holinka that year, and uh, I wrote that he's he's definitely a two-way guy, 200-foot guy, can play physicals, got good size, uh, but definitely more of like a playmaker than a, a, a like I guess a scoring guy, but really like a jack of all trades, no pun intended, uh, but a very good skater, physical, and gets aggressive on the forecheck. So what I saw was a kid that had the makings of a, a of a really good uh, talent, 
a reliable talent, a guy that could step up and be uh, a key player on Oshawa was kind of a, like a rebound year for them. And uh, his first half of the season after the Holenka was kind of like uh, hit, or, hit or miss. He had some uh, consistency issues. Uh, definitely a, a guy that they leaned on, a guy that they pl- played top six minutes. And then he caught fire late in the season. And, you know, Oshawa wasn't really expected to do much in the postseason. But uh, he was their best player. He was their best forward, without a doubt. And he led them in scoring. Uh, they, they think they beat Sudbury or uh, in the first round of the playoffs. And then they lost to... Uh, Mississauga in the second round. Mississauga was a very deep team with a lot of veterans on it. Uh, so this year, you know, it, 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 he came to, uh, uh, I guess, uh, the Bruins camp. Uh, you know, he got drafted, and I thought where, he was drafted exactly where I had him going, somewhere in the middle of the second round. Uh, I know some people called it a reach. I, I never saw it as a reach. I mean, this kid's a talented kid uh, who had a very good season. I think uh, the other thing that I forgot to say was uh, – he actually played for Team Canada at the under-18 Worlds in April because uh, Oshawa got eliminated early in the second round. So he hopped in a flight, went over to Europe. I think it was in Slovakia last year. And he, had, he was one of Team Canada's best players. And Canada rarely does really well at this tournament unless they have a guy like McDavid. The April tournament, they don't do well at. The Holinka one in August is the one that they do well in. So, but, but Jack was one of their better players there. So I think if you look at how well he played at the U18s, how well he played down the stretch – and how well he did in the playoffs for Oshawa, I think that made made him a more tantalizing pick and a justifiable pick in the second round for the Bruins. So, And then you fast forward to this year, he had a really good camp for, Bru- for the Bruins. I mean, very impressive. It's one of those things where I, I don't think the Bruins were like, okay, this kid was so great, we, we got to pencil him into the lineup. I think the Bruins knew, uh, and they're pretty patient with their prospects for the most part. I think the Bruins knew that it was going to be about another year or two until he made the team. Yeah. So, you know, he goes back to Oshawa, and uh, he's been one of the top scorers in the league. He centers their top line. He plays in a line with a kid named Dominic Camiso, uh, who's draft eligible, but he's a little bit older. And this other kid, Eric Kennison, uh, who's more like the uh, the support guy on that line. But, uh, you know, Oshawa's got one of the top scoring offenses in the OHL. He's a good faceoff guy. Not doing that great this year. He's usually about a 50% kind of kid, but uh, this year's a little bit below that. Uh, but he, he runs their top power play unit. And there's this kid that Oshawa has who's eligible for next year's draft, the 2019 draft. And his name is Nick Wong. And this guy's been benefiting from playing with Studnika. They don't play together at even strength. They play together on the power play. Uh, But really, the Bruins have to be happy with his development. I mean, from the time that they drafted him, or maybe from the time that they decided to draft him, up until now, uh, he's been one of the better players uh, from that uh, that 2018 or 2017 draft class, which is a pretty good class. But, I mean, if you look at a second round, there's – from that year, he's doing great. I mean, they have to be happy. Yeah. Um, a- after his draft, it was basically when I started putting tags on him and, and started uh, doing my research. But uh, when he came into uh, development camp in uh, early J- July, I-, I-, I base my, I don't know if you know this, but I base all my vacation time from work during yeah. the summer uh, Bruins um, events. So development camp, yeah. rookie yeah. camp, and training camp. And I was there for all of that. But um, what I saw when I started taking notes, even even in the the one two on one drills, he always had good vision, head up, and just seemed like that pass first type of player. And that's yeah, and that's very, what, that's what you get out of a prototypical center like him. So, yeah, very good playmaker, uh, smart kid. What I liked about him the most is that he he's he's he hustles. He doesn't, and I you know this is when I when I go and I watch kids. 
um, even if they're uh, the top talent, like a guy like Clayton Keller, I want to see them compete from the first time that they hit the ice to when their shift ends. I, I it, pet peeve of mine, boils my blood when I see a guy, it doesn't matter what level, is they're on the ice, they hit the ice for their respective shift, and they can't wait to get back to the bench. You know, like every play is safe. Every play is like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm kind of just going to do my part, not mess up and go right back to the bench. And they kind of luck into their scoring opportunities and their their, uh, their chances and their points. Uh, and Clayton Keller was a guy, I mean, that, this kid, when I saw him play a couple of years ago, was hustling. He had an extended shift for about two and a half minutes. And he was hustling from the very end, I mean, the bitter end, until he couldn't even skate anymore. And so you see that in Studnika. He's a hard worker, knows how to position himself, uh, is always looking to hit people, aggressive on the forecheck. I know the Bruins, if you watch them, I mean, you've watched them, but uh, watching the Bruins the last few years, they've always been a very, very aggressive team on the forecheck. And I think uh, it, it leads to a lot of scoring chances for them. And when you have defensive responsibly guys, like responsible guys like, Bergeron and Krejci and uh, Brad Marchand, uh, he's going to fit right in. I mean, he, he, they're going to be a little bit older by the time he makes the team, but uh, I really like him. And if you look at the Bruins' center depth for their prospects, uh, Trent Frederick, same kind of player. Uh, JFK, same kind of player. Ryan Donato, same kind of player. Like these hard-nosed 200-foot uh, guys. But, uh, you know, it's tough right now. I really like Trent Frederick, but you, you have to say Stanik is right up there in terms of uh, upside and who has the, the highest potential in terms of the NHL. Yeah, and, and and you know the Bruins have always been um, have been aggressive on developing oh, centers yeah. right up the middle. Uh, you know the Krejci's, the Spooners, and those types of players. Um, he, he's 18 years old now, so presumably, I mean, you know the CHL NHL agreement, and so as do I. But to many listeners that might not. There's a, there's a difference between ages here. Between 18 and 20 years old, if you don't make the NHL club, you, you're directed back to the to your junior program because these kids cannot play in that time frame from in the AHL or the East Coast Hockey League. So I'm expecting him to at least be in Oshawa or, the, or anywhere in the OHL for the next two years, but can see him... Uh, slot into the development program in the American Hockey League with the Providence Bruins uh, when he hits that 20-year years of age um, threshold um, and increase that Bruins depth up the middle and and possibly get some time uh, that season or if not like 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 I'm always saying that I'd like to see a player like even though he's on the right side Zach Senishin. Uh, tremendous yeah. speed, tremendous stride, great hands, good vision of the ice. But I, I think he's just not NHL ready right now. I think an AHL full season would benefit a player like that and the organization in, uh, together. Yeah, and that's the thing is a, a lot of us get uh, get caught up in, in the training camp production where – and there's just a big difference from when, when, when a real game is being played. I mean, you know, when you're playing in training camp – and you, it's you. You know, you have that adrenaline. You have that. Uh, I guess you're playing against a lot of kids who are like kind of peers. Whereas when you go to the AHL, uh, you're fighting with guys that are just you know older in their late 20s, early 30s. Uh, they're desperate to try to make the NHL, so their last shot to really do it. So it's it's super competitive, and it's not surprising to see a lot of these high picks go to the AHL um, and kind of struggle. It takes them a while to get used to it. Uh, but I think we saw it worked out really well for uh, for Jake DeBrusque. And I think that the Bruins are going to do the same thing with Sinitian. I think they'll do the same thing with Studnika. I, I, I think, he, I mean, 
four years in, in the Canadian Hockey League isn't that bad for a kid like Stadnika because he's a 200-foot player. There's always things that he could work on. If it's not his goal scoring, it could be his face-offs, things like that. Um, but one thing that you understand is the reason why the CHL has this rule in place is they, they got to make the game attractive to fans. If they if all their top players are leaving, because uh, if it was up to NHL clubs, all these kids would be in the AHL immediately after they were drafted. So I think uh, you have to presume, uh, considering the depth that the Bruins have right now at, pros- uh, at center, plus what they have going on in the NHL level, he'll probably play four full years at uh, at Oshawa and then maybe join Providence uh, once their season's complete in 2018-19. Uh, and then uh, he'll have his first full season. So I think he's a couple years away. I mean, you know, 6'2", 180. You know, if you're a center at the NHL level, you, you kind of want to be around that, that 195, 200 area. And he's, he's fast. He's a good skater. So it's not like it's going to really hurt him that much if he gets a little bit bigger. So uh, I think the Bruins could be patient with him. There's really no rush because they have so many blue chip prospects in the pipeline. But I think you're right. It's going to – this will be his first season – as Oshawa's, uh, you know, top center. And then uh, depending how well they do, uh, depending on what happens with the Bruins at the NHL level and what goes on in the AHL team, I think we should expect to see him there for one more year as well. Um, I'm curious the role that he's going to play. Now, when he, got, when he was returned from Bruins' uh, main camp to uh, the OHL team when Oshawa, um, I believe right around that time he was named captain. And shortly after that, the Bruins came knocking with a, uh, a three-year entry-level contract. Yeah. So I'm curious on what that that type. And I'm not saying it's pressure, but those a captain role number one has got to be. You know, you're the man now. They 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 look for you for leadership, and yeah. and that contract, knowing that you're you're a part of the Bruins' future. How do you how do you think those um those go on the shoulders of a player like, like Sudik or a- anybody in the Canadian junior uh, programs? Well, listen, these kids these kids have been playing, especially Ontario. I mean, all of Canada, really. And it's just, you could say the same about places in, in America like Minnesota, Massachusetts, uh, that take their hockey seriously. Uh, chances are, if this kid was a captain, uh, was named Captain Oshawa, he's been a captain uh, in other places down the line. So I don't think it's anything new to him. He's probably been... Uh, captain at the midget level, uh, and so it, it's something. I don't think it's anything new. I think getting the ELC it may, m- makes things easier, uh, more manageable in turn because you don't really have that pressure. You see a lot of kids lately get drafted uh, third, fourth, fifth round, and they don't even get off at a contract, and they, they go either go back into the draft pool if they're uh, if they're old enough or eligible, or they go become free agents. So uh, that kind of peace of mind is good for a young kid. And, uh, you know, being the captain, of the, I mean, listen, Oshawa is a historic, you could say that about a lot of OHL or Canadian Hockey League teams, but Oshawa is a big market in terms of the Canadian Hockey League or the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, you know, Eric Lindros uh, was captain there. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, I think it might be a little bit more, uh, more pressure will be on him being captain of Oshawa than, say, if he were, let's say, captain of Ottawa or maybe North Bay. No disrespect to Ottawa or North Bay. They just don't have the kind of history or the, I guess, the lineage that uh, Oshawa has. So, yeah, it could be it could be difficult. Uh, but like I say, when you watch him play, he's such a mature kid and he makes smart decisions with the puck. He's a team first guy. I mean, you can't be a captain if you're selfish. If you're Some people get named captain because they're the best player on the team because they produce the most points. 
and then they, they don't play on the penalty kill. Uh, they, they they don't play in late game situations. They're just kind of there. Uh, but that's not the case with Studnika. He he's a kid that deserved it, and I think he relishes that leadership role. And listen, I, I you know the Bruins are, are a proud organization. They got a lot of history, and I think when he you know showed up there at camp, uh, I have a feeling he he liked what he saw. He liked to be in that kind of environment, you know, with a lot of leadership, a lot of uh, you know guys who play his style. And I think it's going to benefit him. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's the captain of Providence in a couple of years. I mean, he's that kind of kid. I, I, I was blown away by the way he absorbed so much information from either uh, head coach uh, Bruce Cassidy or, or even back in development camp with, uh, with new assistant coach Kevin Dean. And with the insertion of these coaches like, like Cassidy, Dean, and the guys down in Providence, um, uh, Jay Leach and, and Trent Whitfield, you, you could definitely sense that this organization is really pumping the, their tires up on the youth movement, and it's, and it's really exciting. So with players like Sudnika coming into the, into the, uh, the realm sooner or later, um, it's definitely you know, going to be great to see. Um, I, just, I, I, I like the way he – I didn't see a lot of games before that. I've only seen four games this season out of the six that the um, Generals played, so – um, definitely his first game scoring uh, two goals and two assists uh, was was an amazing. And I, I just I'm now I'm like full on every time an Ajua game goes on, one of my five TVs is going to be on that. So, yeah, um, yeah. The thing about Oshawa is that they're a very deep team. They got I mean, you could I think nominally the Studnika line is a top line, but they got, a I guess, a one a line with two draft kids for this year. Saran Noel and Alan McShane. And then they got some kids for next year's draft. Like I said, Wong for 2019, then uh, Nick Antropov's kid, uh, kid, the the guy who used to play for the Leafs uh, and the Rangers. His son Daniil's on that team as well. And then they got this Latvian Renars Krastenbergs. So they got they just they got scoring up and down the lineup. Uh, so uh, even if he doesn't have mind blowing stats to finish the year, I think you definitely want to see a progression where he's at least a point a game or higher. Uh, but it, but it's one of those things where I wouldn't look. I'm not going to look too deeply into the stats uh, because I know some people might say, well, it's his third year in the league. He has to you know, be a star and he's a second round pick. But it, when you look at the way Oshawa is and he's a team first guy, uh, it's not like he's logging 25, 26 minutes a game. I mean, it's, it's that deep of a team and the coach can do whatever he wants with that kind of lineup. So even if he tops out, like, let's say like 65, 66 points, uh, it, I think that it's more, what's more telling is going to be how the team does uh, because I think from an individual standpoint, he's fine. I mean, he's he's ready for the AHL. It's just a matter of the a rule keeping him from playing there. Hey, real quick, I want to throw you a curveball, and I know you didn't have time sure. to um, to. No, it's fine. Prepare, but uh, recently the Bruins uh, invited goaltender Kyle Kieser, who also plays for the Oshawa Generals, to um, the main camp. Um, I- I'm thinking it's due to uh, Dan Vladar and his uh, his wrist problem. Um, do you, do you know anything about this kid? Because it was kind of, um, uh, it's kind of a, a reach for me, uh, looking at his numbers, he got a really high goals against average. Um, but the, the Bruins, uh, and the Senzer and Mike Dunham, uh, they might see something else besides, uh, the numbers. Well, I'll tell you what, the thing of, first of all, and I, I've said this a million times, it is so difficult to really project uh, goaltenders. I think, uh, you know, when you look around the league, uh, you look at the top goalies in the league. First of all, teams don't even draft goalies in the first round anymore. I know that, uh, Jake Edinger, uh, from BU went last year, but uh, it really, these kids, anything, it's so much work 
uh, needs to be made uh, in terms of their tech, uh, their technique, and uh, their understanding the way that they track pucks. Uh, it's like pitching almost, where you 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 rarely see a 19, 20 year old pitcher come in and dominate the major leagues. It usually takes a while uh, because it's all about mechanics, you know, release points and uh, you know planning your feet and things like that, how you fall off the mound. So it's the same thing with goaltenders. So I think the the good thing that Kaiser, listen, I've watched him play. He he's got he's got holes. Uh, one thing that I, I harp on that all the goalie people that I talk to and that I've kind of used as resources in the past is um, is net awareness. Right, where you have to know where the net is behind you because you could positionally you could be fine. Right, if you let's say you're going to challenge a shooter coming down the wing and you're going to maybe step out a little bit outside the crease and you're going to be positioned properly. Right, your glove hand your glove hand is going to be positioned properly. You're in your butterfly stance. You, you know your stick hand is positioned properly. Your your, your eyes are locked into the shooter. You're moving your feet. You kind of, that's fine. But guess what? If you don't know where the net is behind you, you could be leaving the whole short side uh, top shelf open. And so I think that's one of the problems that I, I see with Kaiser is he kind of like loses the net is what the way what I call it sometimes. But uh, his rebound control is pretty good. Reflexes, he's pretty quick for his size. Um, but the, like I said, a, a lot of these things, uh, I, I think at this age, you want kids to uh, be consistent, right? You want them to at least give their team the best chance to win. So uh, you're going to control your rebounds. You're not going to flop all over the place. You're going to reset quickly from that first save and not just basically stand the ice and act like a dead fish. Uh, so, but I think he's a project, you know, I mean, he, he was an invite. Uh, he's he, like Oshawa. And I wouldn't look too deeply into his stats this year because Oshawa's penalty killing is brutal. And some might say, well, you're always your best penalty killer, but yeah, you know, at the same time, you know, you know, the defenseman and the forwards got to help out too. Yeah, so support. Yeah, so I, I think um, I think uh, you know he's still in that fight to be you know uh, the the main number one guy for the for the Gens. Uh, it's going to be a long season, so we'll see how that goes. But I think he's a decent prospect. You know, I mean, uh, born nineteen ninety nine, he's a nineteen, so he's got plenty of time. You know, I mean, so and we've seen NHL team, uh, teams draft these kids in their second or third year of eligibility. So you know, guy got to keep an eye on. But right now, I'd say he's still pretty raw. I was actually really surprised about this signing because I, I thought that um, I was really impressed in 2016 development camp when uh, Niagara Ice Dogs, uh, Stephen Dillon, was invited to camp. And, and he absolutely— I love that kid. I don't know why he hasn't been drafted yet or signed. I, I know. I, I know. I was, I was amazed. And believe it or not, uh, Steve, a, a, a Boston Globe reporter wrote up a huge page up on him and his effort at the camp. And— and then in uh, last season, I was actually surprised he wasn't invited back. Well, I mean, th- there's always something. Listen, I'm not an insider, and I, I don't sit in on on NHL you know meetings and scout conferences, and yeah, I, so I don't know what goes on. We we've seen, and Ely Tolvanen, the kid that's just absolutely lighting up uh, the the Russian league right now in his dra- draft plus one year. Uh, all the rumors are saying that he had a poor combine and he didn't interview well, and he had some academic uh, technicalities that prevented him from going to Boston College, uh, yada, yada, yada. And, and look at now, he's the best goal. He's on pace to become the best rookie goal scorer in KHL history. So it's one of those things where, uh, you know, maybe it's in an interview thing. Uh, I mean, I watched a lot of Dylan last year. The kid was facing an average of 40 shots a game. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he faced the most shots of any goalie in the CHL, made the most saves of any goalie in the CHL, uh, didn't have a great postseason, but he wasn't on a good team. So um, one thing that also was confusing is that he was born two days before 
uh, being ineligible for the for the 2016 draft. So he's still pretty young. I mean, he I think he turned he just turned 19. Uh, so the NHL scouts will tell you or GMs will tell you that uh, sometimes they're not convinced uh, and they need to see a kid play a lot more and run the risk of someone possibly taking him before they do. Because I think NHL teams like the kid. I think they just maybe hesitant would say, hey, why waste a draft pick on him? We could just sign him for free. It could be one of those things. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, he'll be one of my top overages when I put out the rankings this year. So uh, it, it's but yeah, he, and he's had pretty decent camp showings too in the NHL. So I guess we'll have to just wait and see. Awesome. Uh, Steve, you've been an absolute amazing guest, um, and thank you so much for your time today. Um, anybody? Oh, no, no problem. Please, anybody, like I said, anything hockey or, or prospect-related, please go and follow Steve on Twitter, at The Draft Analyst. And you can also read his stuff uh, for draftanalyst.com website and uh, his monthly uh, reviews for Dopper Prospects uh, also. Um, again, Steve, thank you so much. And I really look forward to uh, having you back on. Uh, maybe uh, talk a little bit about the uh, NHL Bruins prospects in the NCAA ranks. So love to Yeah, no back. problem, man. Anytime. Anytime. Awesome. Thank you very much, guys. And uh, we'll see you later. Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at blackandgold277, at Court Lalonde, and at Rob40Bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.